Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to episode 70 of Conquering Columbus. Uh, today on the show, we had Vicki Bowen Hughes, and Vicki is the CEO and founder of Dress for Success Columbus. And uh, we got the chance to sit down and talk with her about all the cool things they've got going on over there. And I definitely think you guys are going to enjoy this episode today. Before we get to that interview, though, guys, I want to take a moment and uh, ask you all for a quick favor. Go ahead, pick up that phone of yours you were listening to this on. And uh, check out your podcast app, whether it's iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, uh, whatever you like to listen on. Uh, there will be a subscribe button, and if you click that, it'll make sure that you never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. And the last thing we want to do before we start the show is take the time to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with our friends over at AWH. For those of you who haven't heard of AWH, they are a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm. And with over 22 years of experience, AWH collaborates with a variety of clients to drive desired business outcomes through great digital products. To find out more, check out awh.net and let them know Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. For more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software they serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at GoFMX.com. All right, Conkers, that's all we got. Let's get this show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Uh, today on the show, we have uh, Mrs. Vicki Bowen-Hughes. And Vicki is the CEO and founder of Dress for Success Columbus. And Dress for Success is a national organization whose mission is to empower women to achieve economic independence by providing a network of support, professional attire, and the developmental tools to help women thrive in work and in life. And before starting Dress for Success Columbus, Vicki was the National Marketing and Operations Director for AEC, a real estate investment trust. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Vicki. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, and so how's your day going so far? Great. Awesome. It's a Monday. It's fabulous. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. All good. So one of the first questions we kind of always like to lead off with is, what's a typical day look like for you today? <laughs> right. Um, so a typical day today, I'll just go through today. So today, my day, um, I'm a morning person. So I get up at around 5 o'clock in the morning. I like that um, kind of quiet time early on before things go crazy. I love to read the New York Times and get caught up on all the headlines. Um, and then my first um, meeting was at 7.30 with a stakeholder at Fox in the Snow, right, where a lot of people get together and, and have meetings. Uh, then I had a staff meeting. Then um, I went to uh, another partner meeting. We have amazing partners in Columbus, and I always like to report out to them personally how things are going. Um, and then I had a community discussion with some community leaders about impact. I came back to the office and unpacked donations um, and worked with a couple of clients, um, talked about some of the things that we're integrating in some of our systems, 
and answered email. You know, there's all so many different things that go on through the course of a day. Um, had a surprise visitor that that came and visited me that was a previous client who is successful now in what she does and wanted to stop in and say hi and brought her daughter by. Um, did some research about our interview tonight. Um, got a couple grant requests off. Had a tele telephone conference and. Um, I'm sure a lot of other things in between there. But it's never busy, never boring, I should say, continually busy and always really diverse. As you say, never busy, I think. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think right. we have different definitions of busy then. Right. Never, never looking for um, something to fill the day. The days go by so quickly, and it's always leveraging your time to the, the most effective and efficient that you can use it as. Yeah, I think Fox and Snow will make anybody a morning person, though. <laughs> right. Hopefully you got a chance to catch some of their food yes. while you're there, because it's oh, amazing. Oh, it's amazing. That egg sandwich amazing. is like oh the my best gosh. egg sandwich in town. The egg sandwich is exquisite. It's they have my cinnamon favorite. rolls the size of your head. Yeah. If you haven't been to Fox and Snow, you should go. You should that's, go. That's the summary of the story. We'll, we'll yes. link a picture in the show notes for you guys. Just <laughs> that's to, right. Amazing. That's right. So we want to jump into everything you guys going on, have going on with Dress for Success, mm -hmm. and I want to know a little bit about what the partners do and things like that. But mm -hmm. usually we try to start back at the beginning, um, get a little bit of background on you and kind of your path to where you are today before we dive into the details. So maybe we'll kick it off with kind of your childhood, college, and then progressing up to um, AEC. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, PA, and am a um, rabid Steelers fan. So <laughs> big Ben all the way. And um, I um, grew up in uh, a family where my, um, my dad was a crane operator and worked in construction. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I have one brother. And my dad had grown up in poverty. His dad was an alcoholic. My father was um, the oldest of three boys, and he had to go to work at a young age um, to make ends meet for the family. So my father worked really hard, and um, we never, thankfully, lived in poverty, but I knew of the challenges that he had, and he instilled a work ethic in us um, that, was was one that has really helped me through today. Um, just treating people as equals, no matter where you are or what you're doing or um, what kind of car someone drives or what, what type of background they have. Um, we all really want the same things. We all want to be able to provide for our families. We want to be able to have dignity. We want to be able to um, help other people come along. So my, uh, my childhood and upbringing was um, very, very diverse and active. My dad threw a, ha a hard hat on me by the time I was about five years old and had me out on job sites. Um, and my mom was the stay-at-home mom who made brownies and um, made sure that we were kind to everybody. So uh, it, was, it was a great childhood in middle America, middle-class Pittsburgh. Um, and I loved it. I love Pittsburgh because it still has those real sincere pockets of diversity where you still have the, the Polish community and the Italian community and everybody respects one another and gets along. Um, and I learned how to, how to work hard and play hard. Yeah, and I'm no expert on big cities by any means, but I got the chance to go to New York City for the first time um, last year and kind of experience what you're talking about in terms of those pockets of yes. culture in different areas. Yes. And we have a little bit of that here in Columbus, but I think the bigger the city and the more history it has in it, the deeper those culture areas are. Mm -hmm. And it is very cool to be a part of an experience and walk through and get the different vibes and all in just such a small radius. So I can imagine growing up and that would be a pretty cool experience. But yes. um, following from Pittsburgh, so what does the path look like from there to making to Columbus? Oh my goodness, that's, that's a long one. Um, so I was, uh, I was in Pittsburgh, I was at the University of Pittsburgh, I studied marketing there. Before I finished, I was recruited um, in, out of Washington, D.C. by a company to, to do marketing. This was, I, um, this was like 1985. Mm -hmm. So um, the economy was booming, and um, they really needed people in areas that were booming with development to help market and, and get things moving. So I um, 
moved from Pittsburgh at a young age. I, uh, I like to say I cut my teeth in Washington, D.C. It was an amazing place to have um, the first formidable years of my career because there's an elevated expectation of professionalism. You know, you go from Pittsburgh, that's a great, hardworking, blue-collar town, all of a sudden to um, Politico, right? So there's, um, there's a different level of, um, of expectation in professionalism, and I had some amazing mentors. Um, I had an opportunity to work at many different areas throughout the throughout the country, and then actually moved over to the Middle East for a couple of years. Um, came back to the states, and. Um, worked with Associated, worked with a company, real estate investment company here, and while I was with them, they went public, which was a huge transition in my career. So from one day being a, a Cleveland-based company to the next day having a 14-state portfolio, and all of a sudden, you know, your, your um, the things that you need to accomplish within the next hour, let alone the next day, have increased significantly. So you you either rise to the occasion or figure that that's not for you, and I was really excited about it. Um, associated and most most real estate development is male dominated. So it was it was in those early years when I realized that um, women, it's really important for women to present themselves in everything that they do in the work workplace in a specific way. And one of those was how you dress, right? So that part of what I do today was ingrained really early on and was really important during that time. Yeah, and you know, you talked a little bit about that, about what, how, what was the percentage, did you reference a specific percentage there of women in the workplace for real estate or I didn't reference a percentage, but That's I can tell you that um, I worked with 50 guys and two women. Holy yes. Cow. And, right. and that's one of those industries that you don't normally hear about, I guess, was my point yeah. that I had was, um, you know, you always hear about STEM yes. jobs and things like that. Yes. But, you know, there are a lot of other industries out there that have the similar issues where right. you're not having as many women in the field. And has that changed at all? Has that shifted at all since Absolutely. you worked in real estate? Absolutely. Absolutely it has. And the real estate that I worked in was... Um, developmental and mixed use, like the building that we're in today, right? Mm -hmm. Like mixed use, residential and commercial. It wasn't single family homes. Right. Um, I think that because of my upbringing, I've always felt comfortable working around men. I felt great with you guys. Um, so there was, I, I think the more comfortable that you are working with people, the more comfortable people are working with you. Um, and I, uh, just really enjoyed it. When you're working with a lot of men, there's um, there's obviously a different type of vibe, but you can rise to the occasion to to make an environment whatever you want it to be. So um, the professionalism is is just something that you know was a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I think it's interesting how women who have excelled in the workforce have, that we've talked with, have found ways to leverage certain skills. There's always ways to articulate your words and present yourself mm -hmm. that will give you the edge, despite the fact that people might have, and it sounds bad to say it, I guess, but a negative connotation for any reason, because of predisposed biases that were rooted back, you know, hundreds of years ago, or whatever it may sure. be. So, you know, it, it, it's very cool to hear how you're able to kind of take those things and, and make them towards your, your positive benefit, I guess. But what I want to circle back to is you talk a little bit about spending time in the Middle East, and that's mm -hmm. obviously an area where culture between men and women is significantly different. Did you have any right. um, particular experiences over there that kind of shaped the way that your perspectives are today? Well, personally, um, being an American um, in the Middle East, and I was in Kuwait and um, Saudi, Saudi Arabia and Egypt, um, personally, I, I was always treated with respect. What was eye-opening to me was um, the class definitions with people who, for, who were from other countries. So people who were from India or people who were from the Philippines were treated very differently than people who were from America or, or from Europe. And that um, 
was a huge motivator for me when um, I came back to the States to do what I could to, to level the playing field for women specifically, but um, it was, I'd never, I had never experienced a caste society. So it's, it's, when you come back to the States, you realize that, wow, we have accomplished so much, but we still have so far to go. And um, I'm, I'm really proud of what we've accomplished so far as a country, but we still have a lot to do in order to make sure that everybody has equal opportunities. Were they treated lesser than Americans and those from Europe? Yes. Okay. So um, in, in the specific part of the Middle East where I was in, those uh, that came from India and the Philippines were brought in as domestic help. And domestic help lives in different buildings and they, um, they have a, a, a just a completely different um, style of life and they don't have the opportunity to progress. Um, it would be very hard for someone from another country to start a company in a country like Kuwait and then make it to be something successful because all your other, all your customers are going to be the, from the same nationality. There, there's not an intermix there. Um, nationals deal with nationals. So uh, it, was, it was quite a learning experience. Yeah, that had to have been pretty interesting to just to be around. Uh, even you know, it would it would definitely make me think a lot differently. I think the experience. But let's talk a little bit about coming back to the states and what led you to start Dress for Success Columbus. Now, I read a little bit about the story online, and I think that you had some experience with the organization. I did. I did. Uh, so I was um, when I was with Associated. Um, one of my one of my territories was Indiana, mm -hmm. and I was in Indianapolis for an acquisition, and I was there for three months. And during that time, there was uh, there were a lot of different demographic work that I needed to do, but um, part of it was learning the philanthropic heartbeat of a community. And um, I was flipping through the newspaper, and, and this was in 1999, and I saw that there was an ad there for uh, Dress for Success Indianapolis was opening. And I thought, you know, Dressing for Success has always been a really important part of me being able to um, be successful in, in work, and so I want to go and, and see what I can do to help. And I went in to Dress for Success Indie and um, had some training as a personal stylist. The first woman that I was paired with said to me, um, I'm, you know, I'm sorry if I smell. I um, have been staying on a friend's couch. I'm leaving an abusive relationship. Um, my, f my children are with one of my relatives right now, and I have a job interview on Friday, and I can't even believe that you are talking to me right now. Um, and I was speechless because I, I had in my mind that these women um, were just in need of clothes. Right. Um, I gave you a little bit about my background and how my dad had always said, you know, work hard and, and you'll be successful. I quite honestly was someone when I was coming up um, and developing my career, when I would see someone that was in need, I would think, why don't they have a job? Why don't they have a job? I mean, there's lots of jobs that we had one ads in those days um, that were printed in the paper, but the one ads were two inches thick. Why doesn't somebody have a job? And that day I learned why. Um, I was really fortunate. You know, our situation, my, my father's situation was situ situational. It wasn't generational. And we still had a network. He still had an education. There were, there were lots of factors. Um, he was a white male, right? Um, there were lots of factors that helped him and helped our family move forward. When that's all you know, or if your network is um, in a place also of need, those are, the, those are where you have your resources. So um, imagine trying to get a job when you don't even have the means to transport yourself somewhere. 
you know, we get frustrated when there's tra rush hour traffic in the morning. Imagine trying to get two kids to daycare on a bus and then take another bus to come to dress for success because you've got an interview and you've got to think about doing what you did in the morning all over again in the night as well as, you know, making sure that you're in a safe situation. So there are so many barriers to women moving forward that are disadvantaged. Um, I just, my life I really was transformed that day because I was leveled and realized how ignorant I had been. I thought that people didn't have jobs because they weren't trying. It wasn't because they weren't trying, it's because they didn't have access to the resources that they needed, really basic resources, like housing, transportation, a strong network to help them move forward. Yeah, it's, that story uh, kind of resonates a lot. I remember growing up seeing similar situations with people that were close to me where it was a decision between buying clothes to go to an interview that day or buying food and then returning the clothes that night and just this, this vicious circle that you get caught up in when you and a lot of it was rooted in mistakes that were made at some point in time. But I mean, we all make mistakes to yes. one extent or another. And right. it's the ability to kind of learn from those. And sometimes, you know, the world can kind of be against you in those situations. Mm -hmm. I think other people kind of pass you by and they don't realize. There's, we're so quick to judge. And even seeing it previously growing up, I still judge people. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm guilty of it all the time. Mm -hmm. And then you stop to really try to put yourself in their shoes. And it's kind of a different situation. So it's, right. it's really, uh, I mean, cool and air quotes, I guess, to hear you guys having a positive effect in that area. Um, but I guess today, what are some of the movements that you guys have going on and some of the causes that you're working towards and maybe even some of the struggles? And let's just talk about the ups and downs, I guess, that you're currently going through. So the first thing that we we try to do when, when we work with a woman, we work with over 125 social service agencies that refer women to us. And when, we, when a woman walks through our doors, the first impression that we want her to have is, wow, I'm cared about here, right? So that's, that's our first goal, is for her to feel as if she is respected and has dignity and value when she walks in through our doors. And that that social change moment is a moment in time. And we do everything that we can to build on that so that she can um, get a job and then keep the job. So getting the job has to do with having the right tools and having the right presence um, and the right follow-up and the right soft skills, right? All of those things that, that work into it. Then once you have the job, it is the challenge of keeping that job because then we have the benefits cliff where people hit that and then they lose their, their resources, they might lose their childcare, they might lose their rent, they might lose a lot of different things and it's that big transition. So to make sure that they move it past the benefits cliff into economic self-sufficiency, we work with a lot of different partners and, and bring people, the resources together to, to do everything that we can to help her over that. Um, so we have a very strong mentoring program. We have a very strong employment retention program. There is a defined moment when we meet a woman and that's when she walks through our doors. There's no defined ending because once she opts in to dress for success programs, then she can, she can stay along and access all of those programs as long as she needs them. Um, and then once she has a job and is economically self-sufficient, we have many women who are doing workplace drives. They'll come back and volunteer. Um, they introduce us to people who want to donate or they want to get involved in some way. So it's this great 360 that builds on itself and helps to strengthen families in our community. Yeah, and it sounds like it's more than just, so when, you know, when I first heard Dress for Success, I thought it was, you know, hey, it's focused on clothing and getting people clothed and, and the uh, things they need for interviews, but it's obviously much more than that. It's got, you know, your cultural and your community-driven aspects to it, which is really cool to hear about. But I guess a uh, question for you is, um, starting out, how did you manage, when you first founded Dress for Success Columbus, how did you manage to build that? I mean, were you by yourself? Did you bring in other people with you? Um, can you take us through kind of those early, early Sure, days? sure. Um, so when um, I decided to, to launch Dress for Success, 
Uh, you, you put together a business plan. Dress for Success is a, a worldwide organization. It's based in New York, but every affiliate is its own 501c3. So you have to apply to the IRS to have your own um, EIN. We are our own entity, um, and every Dress for Success is that way. All the funds that we raise are raised here locally, and they make an impact locally. So we don't receive money from Dress for Success worldwide. Um, we don't pay money to dress for success worldwide with the exception of a $500 a year affiliation fee. But um, because of the business that I had been in, I, um, I was uh, very, um, very enthusiastic and confident that we were going to be able to launch with great success. Nonprofit and for-profit are two very different things. And um, <laughs> I quickly learned, um, you know, our worldwide CEO, Joy Gordon, when I sat down with her with my business plan, our first year budget, first year annual budget was 150000 And she said, okay, your, your expenses this first year, you've mapped out at 150000 How are you going to raise that? And I had several dis different answers for her. Um, and she said, okay, terrific. Well, you know, really good luck. Anxious to, anxious to be working with you in Columbus and very excited about what the future holds. Nine months in, I think we had raised $35,000. So it was, it was scary. And there's, there's a very different dynamic in nonprofit than for profit. Our, as we grew with clients, the, the basic difference with nonprofit and for profit is, I wanted to get more, more clients through the door, right? Because that's, that's how I'm wired, right? To help more people. More people for nonprofit doesn't mean more money. Right. So if you're at Bath and Body Works and you're getting people in there and they're buying more and more things, more customers, right? That's more revenue. More customers for a nonprofit means that you've got to work harder to get the resources. So that, that balance um, is, is an adventure. Um, and it's, it's something that where I learned so much. I just learned so much about um, being resourceful and um, how to take anything that you might, somebody might wanna donate to you and say yes to everything because you'll figure out a way to use it. Um, that volunteer time is absolutely the lifeblood of what we're able to do. And um, just to be resilient. Um, there were, I, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's a very high percentage of nonprofits that fail within the first three years. So a lot of funders that you see on a lot of um, banners that support nonprofits, I went to them continually um, hoping for their funding and their support over those first three years and they said, listen, make it three years and then we'll be able to support you. But we're not sure that you're going to make it right now. So it was getting somebody to donate a case of wine and do Amici to donate a tray of appetizers and sell tickets for $50. That, you know, let's go, right? Just to get the rent covered. Um, so you, you, you learn to pivot, you learn to be creative, you learn to be resilient, and when you're passionate about something and you believe in it, you'll figure out a way. So you talked about the $150,000 goal. How did that compare to the other sites <laughs> around the country? Was that yeah. a little bit, um, like, I guess, I'm not gonna be able to think a of the reach. right word. Yeah, was that, was that a reach compared to the other sites or was that pretty realistic? So one of the one of the e neat things about Dress for Success is that you can you can really develop to what you want to be in the community. There are, there are many Dress for Successes that are in the basement of a church. They're all volunteer driven. Their annual budget is zero, and they're doing amazing work. Um, there are other Dress for Successes that have multi-million dollar budgets. They take up a city block, and they have 40 people on the payroll. So. Um, considering what the demographics were in the Columbus, the number of people who were in poverty, the number of people who, the number of women who we knew needed service, and the type of service that we wanted to offer them, that's what my initial budget was based on. Um, and then you realize that, you know, that, that might need to change for a little while. So since then, has the budget grown or stayed about the same, gotten smaller? Where has the budget gone since then? Our budget this year is um, about a million six. Over a million of that is in kind. 
So in-kind contributions like donations from Express in clothing, Lane Bryant in clothing, um, personal care products from Victoria's Secret, volunteer time, that's valued at over a million dollars a year. And that's one of our most precious assets. Our cash budget, our cash expenses and revenue is around 600,000. So we've been able to grow our budget, um, but then also take the value. So if you think of that budget, um, we're able to take every dollar that we raise and leverage it by three, right? And take someone's um, cash investment and turn it in to, to triple their investment to make sure that the women that we're serving are getting the best services and the best resources that we can offer. And how are some of those ways you guys are leveraging that money to that extent and making so much out of it? It is 100% um, about having the ability to engage people in a way that they feel passionate about. So when you have amazing partners like Express, where they know that they create a quality garments, they have an excess of those quality garments, and they want them to go to good use. Being able to, to um, have Express donate 250 pairs of gray pants to us and then show them, here are 250 women that went to work in these pants, right? That just creates this wonderful synergy of, wow, we're, we're doing um, things that are, that are innovative and helping people move forward in a different kind of way. So what do you think the biggest challenge over the past uh, five, 10 years? 10 years, ten correct? Years, yeah. Past 10 years it has been for Dress for Success Columbus, maybe outside of that first year budget. Right. Um, absolutely scaling to meet demand. Our very first year, we served 56 women. That was in 2007. And every single one of those women is near and dear to, to my heart. This year so far, we've served over 2,000. So helping, being able to grow to meet that demand, the inventory that it takes, the volunteer time, the training, having the resources, um, making sure that we're open the hours that are going to be the most effective for the women that we're serving, um, growing our employment retention programs, growing our mentoring programs, scaling all of that is, um, it is, it, it's, a, a challenge but it's also this really amazing challenge because it's it's you see people when when since we've we've had an opportunity to serve this amazing community for a decade we're able to see the people that we served in 2007 and 2016 that are now moving forward in their lives and and they have their own homes and um, their their kids are now in college and and they're doing great things so you have this opportunity and you realize um, what we're doing together really makes an impact. So it's, it's this great kind of challenge, right? It's the best kind. You talked a little bit about, we're kind of bouncing all over the place, so I apologize, but I wanted to bring it back for a second. You talked about how you've served over 2,000 people so far this uh -huh. year. And I think there's a couple interesting things. There. So you talked earlier about like building confidence in the women when they're going into these interviews and what you are instilling them once they come in. Um, you talked about getting them over the edge of mm -hmm. those benefits, so which right. is a huge thing in terms of there's significant amount of money where it's whether you're on, I believe it's Medicare or whatever else it may be that's subsidized right. by the government that you're going to kind of jump out of mm -hmm. if you reach a certain threshold of income. Right. So I'm interested to hear how you build the confidence, how you push them to go over that edge and trust mm -hmm. that the process is going to work, especially if they've lost jobs in the past. Mm -hmm. And then the confidence that you build to allow them to feel welcome when they come in. Because I think a lot of people, um, despite what they're going through and the hardships, they don't have it in them to admit, like, I'm, I need help kind of situation. Mm -hmm. You know, walking into a place, whether it's dress for success or um, a food shelter or whatever it may be, is just a very tough thing mentally to overcome. So right. it's kind of a lot I threw at you there, right. but I don't know what your thoughts are. So I'll start with the last one. Um, and in, in my former career, um, where I learned so much, um, I learned the 7-Eleven rule. I don't know if you guys know the 7-Eleven rule. Do you know the 7-Eleven rule? I'm okay. surprised Mike doesn't know it. He knows every okay. weird thing. I know a lot of weird rules, but I'm, I'm blanking on the 7-Eleven rule. 7-Eleven rule. So the 7-Eleven rule is that people make seven impressions of you in the first 11 seconds that they meet you. So when, when that woman walks through that door, 
we've got 11 seconds to have her feel like this is somewhere she wants to spend her time. Because quite frankly, she's probably been to a few other places for resources, and um, she knows whether or not this is going to help her or not. So it's really important, like I said earlier, that we engage her really quickly, and we do that visually. We have the, the right kind of music on. We're very intentional with the way everything is merchandised as Dress for Success. We want her to be there. So that we then call creating our sisterhood experience. So once somebody is part of that sisterhood, that means her first suiting, means her first time in the career center, that level of trust that we are, are able to develop with someone is absolutely critical because as she grows and develops, her network begins to change, just like all of us here. Right? When, when we started in our career or we started this week, um, there are different people that you met and you might have pivoted in, in certain ways as you were navigating towards different things. So as women come in and accesses the services at Dress, they meet other women who are going through that same process. They also meet um, people who are um, attorneys and doctors and professionals and stay-at-home moms and empty nesters who are there volunteering, but we're all level set there. So you're building this, this network in a, in, in a very intentional space, but in, in a, a setting that's not contrived, right? So it, we, we want everyone to, to realize that this is a place where you can really grow and blossom. So as someone is on their journey, they're meeting so many other people. It's not just about our dress team, um, which is incredible and amazing, and I have to give them a huge shout out because they are so incredibly dedicated and, and make our work possible, but they're meeting people who are volunteers, people who are advocates, people who are mentors, who work at The Ohio State University, that work at AEP, that work at Nationwide, that work at L Brands. So they're having all these conversations with different people to help them with their perspective. So they're saying, you know, to your point about moving forward, it is about building that network and being having an opportunity to be upwardly mobile while you are working in logistics in a warehouse because that's where you are during your work, but you are meeting with other people in all different segments of the community and learning about these other nuances. Maybe it's getting a second job. Maybe it's volunteering somewhere where you get to be introduced. Maybe it's coming to a mixer at GBQ. You know, there's all these opportunities. It's just that you kind of to, I'm not sure who's, whose catchphrase it is, but it's like getting out of your comfort zone to really push yourself. It's like, oh, I'm really not sure that I wanna go to that um, young professionals mixer, but I'm gonna go because I wanna meet some new people, I wanna get out there, I wanna be able to move forward. So that's what we're all about, and we're, we, we're honest and vulnerable about, we make mistakes, we're not perfect, um, and that it's all okay, but, the more courage and the more resilience you have and the more you're able to get yourself out there, the more you're gonna be able to accomplish. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. And I think, you know, when, when you hear yourself talk about it and we hear um, the passion in your voice talking about everything you guys are doing, it definitely comes across. And I think um, Dress for Success Columbus definitely has a uh, bright future with you at the helm. So that's what I wanna talk about is what are your goals for the organization over the next five to 10 years? Oh, we've got so many exciting things. It's really, really exciting. Um, right now, we're at, we're, our space is located at the corner of Fifth and High, which is, we love the Short North. Shout out to everybody at the Short North who, who makes the Short North so special. Um, but we are just busting at the seams. I mean, we are, um, our the programs that we have housed there are our suiting program and our career center program. We also accept donations there. We need a dedicated space for our employment retention program. So we've been housing our employment retention programs, cobbling together partner spaces um, to, to host those because those programs have 
more women involved in them than we can we can physically host a dress for success for one meeting. Um, so we are looking to um, just reconfigure our whole space and uh, uh, the way that that we are growing. So. Um, we're looking for a dedicated home for our employment retention programs, a, a, a place where our donations, our clothing donations that are received can be received and sorted and prepped for use over in the suiting boutique because right now it's in this very small little area that, that where we do everything to the, the best that we absolutely can, but we want to have um, a more streamlined approach to that. Um, we are looking at several different opportunities for a social enterprise, and a social enterprise is a big buzzword right now. We looked at social enterprise in 2015 and kind of got about halfway into it and realized we just weren't ready for it yet. You know, you have to really make sure that you have a solid foundation before you start something else. And we didn't want to get into something that we weren't going to be able to sustain. So we pulled back on that and um, social enterprise is something that we're looking again for 2018. We're growing our board um, and we are absolutely growing our employment retention programs. What we found is we have two sweet spots, right? We love what we do, we're passionate about what we do, and we're really good with what we do about preparing women for jobs. Soft skills, um, looking the right way, getting, getting yourself prepared the right way. And then we're also really good at the employment retention piece. Mentoring, making sure that women have that upward mobility and are able to, to break through to economic self-sufficiency. So those are, those are the things that we have on the docket for the next couple of years. It's really exciting. Are you allowed to talk a little bit about who's on your board and who kind of uh, you bounce ideas off of and turn to for mentorship and that sure. kind of stuff? Sure, absolutely. We have a rock star board of directors. Um, our former board president um, is with Express, and she's in HR, um, and she really was instrumental in, in getting us to where we are today with our team and being able to to scale and build our team. Um, our current board president is a former retail exec, and I think that that speaks to where we are. And she has really helped us um, scale for growth. She was um, a vice president of Victoria's Secret, so she's helped us really help scale for that. Um, we have a couple of creative people on our board that help us with, with marketing. Um, we have a, a couple of finance people, both from Nationwide and from Huntington, that help us grow that way. With nonprofit boards, those are the types of um, tactical skills you need until you can be more strategic and have those tactical skills be either with team members or those um, contractors that you're able to, to work with that way. So our board um, right now is 12 very dedicated individuals, both men and women, um, and they are remarkable in the resources that they bring to the organization to help us grow. And are they kind of your go-to? I mean, because similar for us, our board, since we're a startup company, is um, it's more high-level people who have been executives in the spaces that mm -hmm. we need help with that we couldn't afford to bring on ourselves right. that we bounce ideas off. So it sounds similar right. to your guys' in that situation. It is similar. It is similar. Um, we have a, a, a really strong focus on diversity because we want to make sure that we always have diversity. And that's also diversity in thought. So we do have a couple members of our board who are um, in that um, starting to mid-level parts of their career. And that's because we want to make sure that we, we are never myopic and, and have the ability to see things um, and, and maintain that resourceful kind of um, youthful eye to the future. Um, it's interesting because when you have people, you know, who are senior vice presidents and, um, and lead businesses in Nationwide and AEP, a lot of times they don't understand that we're also the janitors, we also unplug the toilets, we also are the, our own tech people. Um, so they don't understand the day-to-day -day stress of, yes, I can be at that meeting, but I also have to you know, make sure that um, 
the the sink is unplugged and that the door isn't sticking in the front anymore. Like you just can't pick up the phone and or, or dial into maintenance, right? Um, you are maintenance. You are tech. You are your own admin. So having um, also somebody who's in the nonprofit industry on the board for us has been super helpful. As far as mentors, my my board, the board that I have ha had the opportunity to work with have mentored me um, and have been very patient with me uh, along along the way. I'm, I don't know if you guys have ever done like the top five, the strengths finders, mm -hmm. but um, this uh, it's a, a, a book called mm -hmm. Strength Finders. And um, so my number one um, strength is activator. Like I want to get things going. I want to move things forward. You know, I, I want to really um, move ahead. And um, a lot of times you have to kind of take a step back or wait a minute to move forward. Um, so our board has helped me a ton with that. Um, the, the, the mentors that I have intentionally outreached to outside of our board are those areas that I, I just don't know enough about and want to know more, um, like the African-American community, um, like the government community, um, really understanding what the challenges are and what the opportunities are to build those bridges and, and, and put more of an emphasis on collaboration. It's really exciting. It's really cool to hear in your story the ability throughout your career where you've been very humble and had the insight and the foresight to realize where you need help and not be scared to ask for that from certain people who are experts in those fields and to constantly put yourself back in the shoes of people that are going through certain things that you're not going through personally. I think that's something that I, I know I struggle with on a daily basis and I, you know I'm not even that far in my career so it's it's really exciting and uh, motivating to hear somebody that's at your level kind of go through that throughout their entire process um, but I think as we kind of wrap things up one of the final questions and you kind of touched on it we always ask our guests what live uncomfortably means to them because uh -huh. we feel like a lot of the people that we talk to in some aspect aspect of life it resonates with them and kind of we'd like to hear what does it mean to you and it's almost, not only does what does Live Uncomfortable mean to you, but kind of what motivates you to want to do the things that you're doing on a daily basis. Yeah. I have to be honest and say, I don't remember the last time I was comfortable, right? I mean, every single day it is, I'm, there's way more on my calendar than, than I, I think that I can humanly get through. Um, I just push myself to, to put myself in, uncomfortable situations to learn more. Um, I put myself in, we are so fortunate, right? We are so fortunate to, to be able to um, live in a community that is open and smart and, and wants to engage. And um, the more that we are able to communicate with one another in a vulnerable way, I just think that there's such strength and vulnerability um, the more that we're, we're able to, to um, work with one another that way, I think the stronger that we'll be. And it's, um, there are times when, I mean, I don't, I don't sleep very much, quite frankly, I don't <laughs> sleep very much. Um, but there are times when I'm, I'm laying awake at night and I'm concerned about, you know, how A is gonna get to B and then make it, make it to Z. And then you think about the people who don't have the luxury of calling someone up and saying, would you meet me for coffee and be my mentor, right? Um, that is such a gift and it's such a, it's something that I do not take lightly. And I think that those of us that have the opportunity to, to do that need to work really hard to make sure that those that don't have that opportunity yet do have the option. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think just final kind of feedback that I had on that and a thought, it's like we lie awake so much at night worrying about how we're going to make advancements in our careers and these problems that we think are so real and, and so tough. And then you step back and you realize people are lying awake at night going through problems on how they're going to pay rent the next day yeah. or if they're going to have a place to live. Absolutely. And it just totally brings you back to what's real, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to kind of hear you say that. Yeah. And one of the last questions I had, uh, more for our listeners, is where can people go to learn more if they want to donate, volunteer, 
anything like that, how can they learn more about Dress for Success Columbus? Absolutely. Um, our website, we have a, a dedicated regional website that is www.dfscmh.org. And all of those letters really pretty much sound the same, but DFS is Dress for Success, and then CMH is our airport code, mm -hmm. and then it's .org. Um, and there is a wealth of information on our website. As I shared earlier, we're, we're located at the corner of Fifth and High. We have monthly opportunities to come in and just visit the organization, um, see what it's about, see uh, the work that we do, and um, we can't do what we do without, without community engagement. So thank you for the opportunity. Of course, and guys, that'll be linked in the show notes as well. So uh, if you can't quite get yes. the letters right, right, you can just click on that link down at the okay. bottom of the page. Thank you. Um, but Vicki, thanks a lot for joining us. We had a lot of fun. No, thank Hope you. Hope you enjoyed it too. Absolutely. And, uh, you guys any, are doing good work. Thank you. Any last words of advice for our listeners before we let you go? Just be resilient, you know, be, be creative. And a lot of times you're gonna hear no, no means not right now, not to this specific request, but when you're passionate about something and you believe in it, just keep moving forward. Perfect. All right, guys, well, that's Vicki Bowen-Hughes talking about Dress for Success Columbus and all the cool things they've got going on over there to help empower women. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. If you guys enjoyed that episode, Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And go ahead and click that subscribe button. It'll make sure you never miss another episode of Conquering Columbus. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to say thanks to all of our incredible sponsors one more time. And that starts with our friends over at AWH. For those of you who haven't heard of AWH, they are a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm. And with over 22 years of experience, AWH collaborates with a variety of clients to drive desired business outcomes through great digital products. To find out more, check out awh.net and let them know Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. For more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them, there's a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software they serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.